This is Trivia for Kids, where it's not just for adults anymore. It's a new month and a new episode. Yay! Somebody's birthday month. Know who that is? My father. (laughs) And yours. No, mine is in August. No, I'm just joking. It's in July. Well, happy birthday month, Quinner. Thank you. Are you excited to turn the big one one? Yeah. Yeah? That didn't sound very... I don't know. I kind of just want to stay young forever. <laughs> I don't blame you. Being an adult. I feel like people think that being an adult... I don't want to have a job. <laughs> oh, I don't blame you. But if you did have a job, are you still thinking pathologist or where's your... Where's oh, your yeah. heart leading you right now? Oh, yeah. Still a pathologist. Awesome. Well, I didn't even introduce myself. Casey here, per the huge, here with my eldest child, Quinn. And it's, I have actually been doing it quite a lot lately, haven't I? You have. You've so, been... yeah, per the huge, like she said, or whatever she said. <laughs> You've been doing a really great job. So, thank you. What's new in the hood these days, Quinn? We went to South Dakota with our cousins and grandparents, went to the lake. Hang, hung out with our cousins in Colorado, too. Yeah, lots of good family time. Lots of time on the water. Lots of sun time. Lots of fireworks. Oh, yeah, we did have lots of fireworks. It was a good 4th this year, wasn't it? It really was. Can you believe that the 4th of July is over, though? You're going to be back in school before you know it. I don't want to be back in school. I mean, normally I, I like school. It's just summer is fun. You don't have to get up early you don't have to yeah it's fun you (laughs) don't have to do anything when it's nice out yeah summer is the best i agree well do you have a joke this week what do you call a three-legged hippo a hoppo that's one of my favorite jokes that is so funny a three-legged hippo yeah or a one-legged hippo well i i think Anything less than four would probably make it a hoppo, don't you think? Pretty much. And a hoppo, actually a hippo, is my favorite animal. And it's not mine because I don't know what my favorite animal is. <laughs> Just love them all, do ya? I do. All right, should we go? Let's. Bring it on, crouton. Yeah, bring it on, crouton. Whatever you said. Here's how the show works. Trivia for Kids consists of five rounds with seven questions each. We will announce the answers at the end of each round. Each new round will have a different category. After the fifth round, we will have the final exam, which will test you on the toughest questions we have covered in the previous rounds. Everyone ready? Let's get started. Round one. The category is chips. Listeners, Blaine and Jet. Get the credit for these first few awesome categories. Thanks for these ideas. Question one. What is the most popular potato chip flavor in the United States? Question two. True or false? 
Potato chip bags are full of air. Question three. In England, chips are actually called what? Question four. Which chip brand means little golden things in Spanish? Question five. Which popular brand of poppable chips are not actually considered to be chips at all? Question six. The whole shebang is a brand of potato chips that is not available to the general public. Where are the only places these chips are sold? Question seven, true or false? Chips were invented because of a complaint at a restaurant. And now the answer to round one, question one. What is the most popular potato chip flavor in the United States? Don't get too excited. It's plain. I just don't like plain potato chips. <laughs> I, I like all chips, but I would put plain near the bottom of my flavor list. I like uh, salt and vinegar. Those are so good. I think my favorite is, is it cheddar and sour cream? Oh, those are so good. Sour cream and onion? No, you know those baked lays that are cheddar and sour cream? You and Ren will eat the entire bag if I buy one. Oh, I didn't know they were called that. I think <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Now, I, now I'm thinking in the right direction, yeah. Question two, true or false? Potato chip bags are full of air. False. They're actually filled with nitrogen gas. The nitrogen prevents the chips from oxidizing or turning stale. They are also only partially filled with chips to prevent breakage. But if it was packed with chips, don't you think it wouldn't really break either? Well, I think because in the packaging process and the transporting process that they're moved around a lot. And so if all chips were completely filled with chips, then if they like threw them on a shelf or threw them in a box, it would just be a whole bag of crumbs. When there's air in there, it allows them to kind of float around a little bit. There's a little more give, which well, makes sense. I'm just thinking of potato chips uh, packed in every crack and crevice so that nothing can get out so and nothing tight. can break. Yeah. yeah. Question three. In England, chips are actually called what? Crisps. If you order chips, you'll actually get fries. Like fish and chips? Yeah. Maybe? Because really, so if you order fish and chips in America, you get fish and french fries, which is, it came from England, so that's where it comes from. So chips are fries and crisps are chips. Okay, yeah, okay. Question four. What chip brand means little golden things in Spanish? Doritos. I love Doritos. What does Ren eat on a sandwich, Quinn? Meat. And? Doritos. That's it. She eats meat and Doritos. And if she doesn't have Doritos, she won't eat the sandwich. 
It's true. Question five. What popular brand of poppable chips are actually not considered to be chips at all? Pringles. Pringles are technically not potato chips, but a slurry of rice, wheat, corn, and some potato flakes. They're actually considered crisps. Huh. So, a, so I was reading about this. A potato chip, in order for it to be an authentic potato chip, has to just be potato. And since a Pringle is made out of a few other things, it can't be considered a chip. Question six. The whole shebang is a brand of potato chips that is not available to the general public. Where are the only places these chips are sold? In jails or prisons. Mm-hmm. Why? I don't know. This is just a this particular brand of chips is specifically made to be distributed in prison commissaries, which is like like a convenience store at a prison, the commissary. Um, yeah, so the whole shebang chips are only available in prisons or jails. Interesting. Hmm. Question seven: True or false? Chips were invented because of a complaint at a restaurant. True. A picky customer at a restaurant at the Moon Lake Lodge in Saratoga Springs, New York, was making the chef, George Crumb, angry by continually complaining that the fries were not thin enough. Finally, George Crumb became so impatient that he decided to exaggerate. He sliced the potatoes so thinly they could not even be pierced with a fork. Then he soaked them in ice water for 30 minutes, and after, he fried and salted them, and he gave them to the customer, who, to his surprise, loved them. And so the potato chip was born! I love that story. Dun dun dun! Dun dun dun! I like that his name was George Crumb, and potato chips have crumbs. Spelled differently, but. <laughs> Round number two. The category is Unique United States Facts. Question one. What landmark made famous by a popular children's song was purchased from England in 1968 and moved to Lake Havasu City, Arizona? Question two. How many different versions of the American flag have there been? Question three. True or false? New York City was once the capital of the United States. Question four. In what U.S. city is the gambling capital of the world located? Question five. True or false? The U.S. has an official language. Question six. What is the tallest monument in the United States? Question.
Question seven. The town of Centralia, Pennsylvania has what unique characteristic that has been going on for 55 years? And now the answers to round two. Question one. What landmark made famous by a popular children's song was purchased from England in 1968 and moved to Lake Havasu City, Arizona? The London Bridge. Okay, you guys, I got to tell you this backstory. So remember when I said thanks to Blaine and Jet for these category ideas, which have been awesome. Thank you, guys. So they are from Lake Havasu City, Arizona, and I didn't know anything about this. But their mother said, our city is kind of a trivia question in itself. And here's why. In the early 1960s, officials in England made a troubling discovery. London Bridge was falling down. The 1,000-foot span had stood over 130 years and survived World War II, but it was unequipped for modern traffic. Renovations were deemed impractical, meaning they didn't make sense and they wouldn't work. So the city of London resolved to build a wider, more car-friendly replacement. The 19th century granite bridge seemed destined for the junkyard, but a city councilor convinced his colleagues that it might be possible to sell it to the United States. In 1968, an American tycoon named Robert McCullough bought the London Bridge, all 10,000 tons of it, and moved it brick by brick to the desert town of Lake Havasu City, Arizona. He did this because he had purchased the land for the town, but was struggling to get people to come there. He thought the London Bridge would be a tourist trap. Workers began by labeling each of its granite bricks with markers that indicated their arc span, row number, and position. The bridge was then disassembled, packed away in crates, and shipped to Long Beach, California via the Panama Canal. And from there, a small army of trucks carried it across the desert to its new home in Lake Havasu, where it was put back together. When the London Bridge is in America. How did I not know this? Sorry, I'm yelling. But this was so, I mean, I, I read a lot of trivia because I write these questions and I do a lot of trivia. How did I not know about this? So people, if you want to see and drive across the real London Bridge... It's in Arizona. Well, I love that. Thank you. And thank you to Blaine and Jet and his mom for that great trivia snippet that we got from you guys. Question two. How many different versions of the American flag have there been? 27. The first American flag displayed 13 stripes as well as 13 stars that were arranged in a circle. The stars and stripes represented the 13 colonies that declared independence from Great Britain. Since founding of the United States, there have been 27 versions of the American flag. Each new flag represented the addition of new states. Today, the American flag displays 50 stars that represent the 50 states that make up the United States. I like that one, too. Me, too. I just like we this have a category. Cool flag. Yep. Question three, true or false, New York City was once the capital of the United States. True. 
Believe it or not, from 1785 until 1790, New York City served as the country's capital. Washington, D.C. didn't become the capital until 1790. Oh, so it's been the capital for a really long time, hasn't it? Very much. Question four. In what U.S. city is the gambling capital of the world located? Viva Las Vegas. Yeah, I, you lost me. That's an Elvis song. Las Vegas. I don't, I don't. <laughs> I know, anyway, I Las Vegas. It's in Nevada. It's in the desert. And it is the gambling capital of the world. Hmm. Do you gamble? Uh, no. Question five. True or false? The U.S. has an official language. False. Although English is spoken across the United States, on a federal level, there is no laws stating that English is the official language. Many people in the U.S. speak Spanish or French. Or German or... Hawaiian or... Hawaiian? Question six. What is the tallest monument in the U.S.? The Gateway Arch. It stands 630 feet tall and is made out of stainless steel. The arch is recognized as the symbol of St. Louis, and because of that, it is a popular tourist destination. I have been up in the arch. You know, you can take a little, like, elevator up to the very top, and then there's, like, a sky deck where you can look out the very top of the arch. And... I didn't. Yeah. That's cool. It is cool. And the arch is, well, the engineer that designed the arch made it so that it can withstand wind. So the arch is kind of always moving because if it was completely stationary, like if they would have made it so that it didn't move with the wind, the arch probably would have fallen over with a wind gust already. But it's sort of pliable so that it moves with the wind and can withstand weather. That's cool. Question seven. The town of Centralia, Pennsylvania has what unique characteristic that has been going on for 55 years? It's on fire. The town of Centralia, Pennsylvania has been on fire for more than 55 years. In the late 1800s to the 1960s, it was a prosperous mining town. However, after a mine caught on fire in 1962, the flames began to spread underground through the interconnecting tunnels. They haven't been able to put them out, and in 2022, the town itself has been cut off from vehicle traffic and is more deserted than ever before. That's kind of sad. Right. So the town itself isn't on fire from the land, but it's on fire underground. And they said it basically like a charcoal grill under there. And it's just always lit. Mm, that's so... Sus. Very sus. Round number three. The category is sports. Question one. Instead of using a golf club and golf ball, what is used when playing disc golf? Question two. Craig McTavish was the last professional hockey player who was not required to wear what? Question three. In 1919, Ray Caldwell miraculously finished pitching a game after what rare event happened to him during the game? Question. 
Question four. What giant Hall of Fame NBA player missed over 5,000 free throws in his professional career? Question five. How quickly did the fastest knockout happen in boxing history? Question six. What children's team game was actually an Olympic event from 1900 to 1920? Question seven. What is the only American city with three sports teams that all wear the same colors? And now the answer to round three. Question one. Instead of using a golf club and golf ball, what is used when playing disc golf? A frisbee or disc. Disc golf is a lot like traditional golf, but instead of clubs and balls, players use their own hands and arms to throw discs towards their targets. Yeah, and where you have to throw them, it's like a chain net. Yeah, yeah, like a cage. How do they get it in there? Like a basket with chains coming down. How would you get in there? So the, the chains stop the frisbee and then it drops into the basket underneath it. Oh, that that makes sense. So that's like getting the ball in the hole in golf. You get the frisbee into the basket. It's like a mix of basketball and golf. Yeah. (laughs) Question two. Craig McTavish was the last professional hockey player who was not required to wear what? A helmet. When the NHL started requiring players to wear headgear in the 1979-1980 season, the rule allowed anyone who started playing before then to continue using their skull as a helmet if they so desired. When center Craig McTavish retired from the St. Louis Blues in 1997, he had the distinction of being the last helmetless player to leave the game. Did he leave from old age or did he get hit in the noggin by a puck? I think he retired, but I'm sure he got hit in the head plenty of times. I think this guy was a pretty tough guy. Because think about everybody else is wearing a helmet. And then there's old Craig McTavish out there just bare sculling it all around the ice. (laughs) That would be an interesting sight to see. I wonder how many teeth he was missing. Because, you know, hockey players tend to tended to lose their teeth quite often back then because the puck would hit them in the mouth and knock their teeth out. Oof. So you can see why they made helmets a necessity. Yeah. Question three. In 1919, Ray Caldwell miraculously finished pitching a game after what rare event happened to him during the game? He got struck by lightning. Cleveland Indians pitcher Ray Caldwell recorded a complete game against the Philadelphia A's in 1919 after he was struck by lightning in the middle of the ninth inning. Caldwell shook it off and got the final out for the win. 
Why would they keep playing if there was a storm? <laughs> I don't know. That's a great question. Like right now, it's storming outside, and there are right nobody's really outside. Out. Could you imagine playing in a softball game? Your pitcher gets struck by lightning, and everybody goes, "Meh, we're fine. Let's keep going." <laughs> right. Question four: What giant Hall of Fame NBA player? Missed over 5,000 free throws in his professional career. Shaquille O'Neal. When Shaq retired in 2010, he had missed a total of 5,317 free throws over his career. Shaq was one of the best basketball players there ever was. He was massive. So Shaq was huge. He had huge feet. He had huge hands, arms. He was just a presence under the basket. However, Shaq was a terrible free throw shooter. Probably because he was almost as tall as the basket, so he was practically shooting straight at it instead of in an arc like most basketball players because he was so tall. (laughs) Question five. How quickly did the fastest knockout happen in boxing history? 10.5 seconds. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three. Anyway, very quickly. In his bout against Ralph Walton in 1946, Al Couture knocked the fighter out in just 10.5 seconds. Walton had been distracted by his corner man. In today's rules, Couture would have been made to return to his corner before the count began. So really, it shouldn't have counted because apparently the other guy wasn't paying any attention. But in my opinion, it was his own fault. Because if you're in a boxing ring... You need to be paying attention. You need attention. to be paying attention, dude. You're, you're paying attention to your cornerman, and somebody comes up and punches you in the face. That's your own fault. Yeah. And now there's a trivia question about you. Yeah. Question six. What children's team game was actually an Olympic event from 1900 to 1920? Tug of War. From 1900 until 1920, Tug of War was a sporting event at the Summer Olympic Games. Considered part of the athletics program, Great Britain was awarded the most medals in the event with five, including two golds. Is it still an Olympic? No, just from 1900 to 1920. Why? But could you imagine being, I, I'm Casey and I'm on the U.S. Uh, tug of war team. I mean, you'd have to be, you have to be pretty heavy to put some anchoring down. Yeah, you'd have to be, you'd have to have really strong, strong legs and strong arms. Question seven. What is the only American city with three sports teams that wear the same colors? Pittsburgh. In the NFL, the Steelers. In the MLB, the Pirates. And in the NHL, the Penguins all wear black and yellow. The Hawkeyes do too. That's true. But the Hawkeyes are not in Pittsburgh. Round four. The category is sweets. Question one, what is the paper flag on a Hershey's Kiss called? Question two, what animal was the lollipop candy named after? Question three. Which chocolate candy treat was invented by Leo Hirschfield in 1896 and was named with the nickname of his daughter? 
Question four. In 1953, it took 1,620 minutes to make a peep. How long does it take to make a peep today? Question five. What candy did President Nixon eat regularly at breakfast time? Question six. What fruit-flavored candies have a thin, hard candy covering with a chewy gel center and a name that rhymes? Question seven. How many pounds did the largest lollipop weigh? 2,145 pounds, 5,320 pounds, or 7,003 pounds? Round four answers, here we go. Question one, what is the paper flag on a Hershey's kiss called? A plume. Do you know what a plume is? I do not. Um, like when I think of a plume, like if a lady's wearing I think a of hat, a prune. no, that's like a fancy prune or a fancy plum, a plume. No, like if a lady's wearing a hat and she has like a a long feather coming off of it, that would be like a plume. So it's kind of like a Hershey's Kiss flag. <laughs> the Her the Hershey's Kiss chocolate is the hat. The paper is the plume. There you go. Question two: What animal was the lollipop candy named after? A racehorse. In 1908, George Smith made a candy named after his racehorse, Lollipop. That's a cute name for a racehorse. <laughs> Question three. Which chocolate candy treat was invented by Leo Hirschfeld in 1896 and was named with the nickname of his daughter? Tootsie Roll. His daughter, Tootsie, was five years old when the candy was invented. Isn't that's adorable? His little that. daughter named Tootsie. So Tootsie called it a Tootsie roll. Question four. In 1953, it took 1620 minutes to make a peep. How long does it take to make a peep today? Six minutes. That's a big drop. So why do you think it took so much longer back then to make a peep? Because I'm sure the big bulky machines were part of it. And marshmallows are not very easy to make, I don't think. It, you know, when they were first figuring and out how to... they have to be squishy and soft inside, right. which is much harder than just a normal marshmallow. So probably just over the years, they got better at making marshmallows and faster and quicker. And then they made them into shapes. And then, then they made machines that made them. And here we are, six minutes per peep. <laughs> we love peeps. I know, I know They're that... They're like my favorite candy. Right. Well, and... my favorite is marshmallows, but... I know a lot of people don't like peeps, but we like peeps in this house. Question five. What candy did President Nixon eat regularly at breakfast time? A Milky Way bar. Wonder why he got started doing that. Doesn't seem like a very healthy breakfast option. 
Question six. What fruit-flavored candies have a thin, hard candy covering with a chewy gel center and a name that rhymes? Mike and Ike. I know a lot of Mikes. Don't know a lot of Ikes. <laughs> it's true. I never thought about that. Question seven. How many pounds did the largest lollipop weigh? 2,145 pounds, 5,320 pounds, or 7,003 pounds? 7,003 pounds. That weighs as much as 11 grown male bears. Round five. The category is Universal Studios. A special thanks to listener Alejandro for this category idea. Thanks, Alejandro. Question one. How much money was the entry fee when Universal Studios first opened? Question two. What is the name of the area in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter called that looks like the streets of London from the movie? Question three. How many Universal Studios theme park locations are there in the world? Question four. What dance are you required to do at the end of Jimmy Neutron's Nicktoon Blast? Question five. Which movie inspired the far, far away area of Universal Studios Singapore? Question six. What famous Harry Potter drink can you actually get at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter? Question seven. What are the names of the two parks in Universal Studios Florida? And now the answers to round five. Question one. How much money was the entry fee when Universal Studios first opened? Only five cents. Currently, the price is $132 for adults and $127 for children. That's crazy. Also, when they opened, the entry fee paid for them to get in. And if you were a child, you would get a boxed lunch with chicken. <laughs> that's, that's cute. Here's my nickel. Where's my chicken? In my Universal Studios theme park. I like that it came with chicken. I don't know why I thought that was cute. <laughs> Question two. What is the name of the area in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter called that looks like the streets of London from the movie? Diagon Alley. Di Diagon Alley. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> so I was reading that this Diagon Alley that's there, you can't see it's completely covered. 
So like you can't see any of the outside world when you're inside Diagon Alley at Universal Studios. So it makes it seem totally realistic. I want to go there. That sounds super interesting. And I read that too. Question three. How many Universal Studios theme park locations are there in the world? Four. They're located in Los Angeles, California, Osaka, Japan, Singapore, and Orlando, Florida. Singapore. <laughs> Singapore. Singapore. It's Singapore. No. Singapore. Singapore. Since when was it Singapore? Forever. Question four. What dance are you required to do at the end of Jimmy Neutron's Nicktoon Blast? The chicken dance. I like a good chicken dance. Question five. Which movie inspired the far, far away area of Universal Studios Singapore? Shrek 2. In the movie Shrek 2, Shrek and his bride Fiona traveled to the kingdom of far, far away to meet her parents, King Harold and Queen Lillian. This section of the park features rides, restaurants, and an entertainment related to the Shrek movie's theme. Cool, I wanna go to Far Far Away, just like I wanna go to Diagon Alley. Question six, which famous Harry Potter drink can you actually get at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter? Butterbeer. What actually is butterbeer? It's a cream soda meets butterscotch flavor and a sweet whipped topping. I saw that you could buy butterbeer cold like beer. or hot or frozen. There's like a whole bunch of varieties of butterbeer. Hmm. I heard it's really good. Question seven. What are the names of the two parks in Universal Studios, Florida? Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure. I want to go. I do too, but that's up to you. I know. And now it's time for the final exam. Now remember, you've heard these questions in the previous rounds, but these were the hardest ones we've had. So use your memory and try to think back to what the answers are. Question one, true or false, potato chip bags are full of air false. They are actually filled with nitrogen gas. Question two. How many different versions of the American flag have there been? 27. Question three. What candy did President Nixon eat regularly at breakfast time? A Milky Way bar. Question four. What giant Hall of Fame NBA player missed over 5,000 free throws in his professional career? Shaquille O'Neal. Question five. What landmark made famous by a popular children's song was purchased from England in 1968 and moved to Lake Havasu City, Arizona? London Bridge. Question six. What chocolate candy treat was invented by Leo Hirschfield in 1896 and was named with the nickname of his daughter? Tootsie Roll. Question seven. The town of Centralia, Pennsylvania 
has what unique characteristic that has been going on for 55 years? It's on fire. This town is on fire. This town is on fire. So anyway, we are legitimately having a severe thunderstorm happening right now going on. We keep getting text about it. Right. I'm reading the... these questions off my phone and the weather service keeps issuing all these emergency tornado, not tornado, thankfully, just beep, thunderstorm warnings. Beep, beep, beep. But we need rain. So as long as it doesn't come with any damage, thank God for rain because we need well, it. We live in Iowa. The crops need the, the rain. Rain makes things. corn. Corn makes something that I shouldn't sing about on a kid's podcast. Anyway, have a great week, everybody. As always, thank you for listening. Stay safe. We love you guys. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Trivia for Kids Podcast. And if you have a question idea or even an entire category, please email us at trivia for kids podcast at gmail.com.